Welcome to the PWE and Me podcast, a place where we talk about the workplace, how it's changing, and ways that we can create an experience at work that is inspiring, real, and motivates us to bring our best self to work. PWE, what is it? Well, it's an acronym for Purposeful Workplace Experience. I'm on a mission to help our workplaces shift from being transactional to transformational, and PWE is how we will get there. My name is Carolyn Suara, your host and creator of PWE. Hello out there. How's everyone doing in week 48 of self-isolation? No, just kidding. I know it's not week 48. I think it's actually week eight or nine. But boy, at times it has felt like 48 weeks, hasn't it? In any case, I wanted to bring this episode to you today about psychological health and safety. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring it was, you know, when we think of what's happened over the past eight weeks, we've moved our workplaces from these buildings, well, for many of us who are working in a building, um, into our homes. Now, obviously, for essential services and frontline workers, they've stayed, and that's a whole other difference. But I I'm, I'm want to talk today about those people who have moved their offices uh, or moved from being in an office into their home. And a story that inspired this came a few weeks ago, uh, and I, I heard it from a client, and they were sharing how uh, one of the VPs at their company had set up a Zoom account and asked that all of the people in their department call into the Zoom room every day. I was like, wow, okay, that's that's pretty cool, wanting to stay connected to people. And I was told, no, 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 Carolyn. He wanted people to work in front of them so he could see them. Um, even though they weren't in the office, he needed to replace that with the Zoom, you know, the Zoom capabilities. And so it, this story actually inspired a conversation with one of my colleagues, Stephanie Woodward. And Stephanie is um, a trained advisor uh, in psychological health and safety through the National Standard um, of Canada. So proud Canadian, we have this great standard in Canada that outlines 13 factors of psychological health and safety in the workplace. And uh, it really speaks to the working environment and what employers, organizations can do uh, to create the psychological safety for employees. And, uh, and given that, you know, our workplace location has changed, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be thinking about psychological health and safety in the workplace. So um, I'm going to bring you, uh, bring you this conversation that Stephanie and I had and share it with you um, because I think it's, it's really helpful um, in, in this time uh, of, of COVID, this time of transition, of uncertainty, of newness. And, um, I hope that it can help you uh, find some ways to create the psychological health and safety with either the teams or organizations uh, that you lead. So if I'm understanding you correctly then, Steph, these 13 factors are what organizations have accountability for to create a psychologically healthy workplace. Um, And I think that's a really important distinction, right? Because people are accountable, obviously, for themselves, but workplaces have this accountability. And I, I love, I love that you chose that word accountability, because that's got an interesting thread to it as well. Um, Because I would say these factors are all within the control 
of a company, they decide, a company can decide whether or not they want to take accountability for these factors mm. that they have under their control. The national standard right now is completely voluntary. Um, if I were a betting woman, my, my guess would be that in the coming years, I, I'm not going to guess how many, my guess would be that this will move to, um, that this will move to mandatory. The Globe and Mail even had a reference to that, that it might be time for this standard to move from voluntary to mandatory. So it may become a requirement. So if wow. I was an organization right now, I'd be thinking to myself, you know, this is a voluntary standard right now. The framework is um, non-prescriptive. Um, it's this great framework that speaks about leadership commitments. It speaks about planning and implementing against these 13 factors, and it requires an ongoing continual feedback loop. Um, but like I said, it's not prescriptive. So it's it's completely to the discretion of the organization and doing some digging to say which of these factors, there's no there's no organization out there that's knocking it out of the park on all 13 factors. There's always going to be right. some, some continual improvement, some room for improvement, but saying, hey, I'm going to opt into this. I'm going to choose to take accountability for what I have under my control as an organization to support my employees' psychological safety. We know that links to so many other positive outcomes. Now, I know I asked you a question earlier, but I want to ask you another question before we get back to that question, <laughs> which is, um, so these 13 factors, um, and, you know, I think I loved what you said there, too, and that not no organization is going to be perfect in all 13. So it's sort of like a tool to help you keep a pulse on what's happening. Absolutely. Yep. Is that Absolutely. fair to say? Okay. And that's so, actually built into the standard. It's a requirement to keep a pulse going, to continually check in mm -hmm. on this and to evaluate yourself against it. So, so organizations who um, embrace this, um, the, these, the standard, what does that look like? Do they train all their managers? Do they have like an online course for everybody? How do they embed it into the organization? This is the beauty of it. So it's completely customizable and the tools and resources that are out there, um, an organization could, um, could do some self-teaching. So between going through the standard, the framework is, is fairly straightforward. Um, it, it lays out the steps. So making this leadership commitment, that's an, that's an incredibly powerful part of this framework is that the leadership is all on board to make this commitment to this standard. And then working through to say, where do we think we have room to change? So it really is that kind of gut check right through to a formalized process to assess for yourselves. There's a wonderful survey called Guarding Minds at Work, um, which can help assess and it can also help benchmark year over year. But a company can also do a gut feel against this and look at these factors and say, where do we know we're getting complaints? If you've got a pre-existing um, employee survey, you can even look at that for some clues to say, where might we want to get started with this? And then again, mm -hmm. choosing the initiatives or really getting creative around how you might want to implement some of this in the organization. Like I said, it's not prescriptive, which I think makes this really fun. Um, and maybe that's just that's just me geeking out on this a little bit because I'm really passionate about this work. <laughs> well, and you've you've said prescriptive a few times, and I'm wondering if that also is a reaction to. Um, consultants like us coming in and telling people what to do. Um, and so if it's not prescriptive, it gives, um, you know, your clients an opportunity to make this fit in a way that matches um, their style, their tone, um, but also holds them accountable. Absolutely. And it also opens it up to organizations of all sizes 
um, all industries and all budget levels. There is always something you can do, uh, regardless of budget, regardless of company size or industry, there's something you can be doing creatively to move the needle on these factors. Wow. I, oh my gosh, I have so many questions I want to ask about that. <laughs> but before before we do that, you mentioned a resource, Burning. I thought it was the Burning Man when you said it. What was that resource again? Uh, the Guarding Minds at Work Survey. Okay. Can you say that? Can you spell that out? So Guarding, G-U-A-R-D-I-N-G, Guarding Minds okay. at Work. Okay. Dot, dot com, dot C-A. Uh, if you Google that, you'll get right through to the survey information. Um, you can okay. also access... Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, which is um, an initiative through Great West Life, but they have an entire portal of resources um, that, mm. that organizations can access to learn more. Okay. So um, I know there's 13 factors. Um, I, I can see them here listed in front of me. I'm just going to list them off quickly. Um, I wanted to get some insight from you on how much time you made, you made a comment there about how much time you could, you could invest into, into this. And, and I've heard you speak about this before, so I, I wouldn't mind hearing you speak a little bit more to the audience. Um, so the 13 factors as listed on the mentalhealthcommission.ca website are organizational culture, psychological and social support, clear leadership and expectations, civility and respect, psychological demands, growth and development, Recognition and reward, involvement and influence, workload management, engagement, balance, psychological protection, and the last but not least, protection of physical safety. So, so Steph, if you could maybe comment on how those thirteen factors all connect together, and maybe just sort of like a high level summary, and then and then share with us how you can do this? How you can address this kind of stuff without any budget? I know you've talked about like yeah. five or an hour, those, those different things. Yeah. And I, I've always been a kind of roll up my sleeves kind of woman to get practical and get things I want to implement. I want to do things that are going to create traction that are going to make a difference. That's always been really important to me, the stickiness of initiatives and organizations. Um, so for me, if I were to look at those 13 factors, right out of the gate, the practicality of them is what really resonated with me. There's nothing on this list. Um, I'm imagining if people were just listening to those, they could probably pick up on those fairly um, fairly easily. And, and what you see is kind of what you get in those descriptions. Um, hmm. So when we look at them now, if we were going to do a gut check just to say, okay, I don't have a lot of resources right now. Um, let me run through these 13 factors. If I was an organization that right now had people on the front lines, I would be zeroing in right away on protection of physical safety, right? That's going right. to be really important that just a gut check, you're going to say, before we do anything else with this business, we need to make sure we're protecting the physical safety. What safety protocols do we have in place? Have we communicated those with our teams? Is everybody clear? Uh, do we have do we have a place where people can go with questions? How are we monitoring those safety protocols, right? So I've just rattled off five questions that you know, somebody could be asking themselves simply by reading that factor and thinking the nature of our business puts our employees at physical risk right now. So what are we going to do about that? Hmm. And it also sounded like that was very tightly linked to um, clear leadership and expectations. Absolutely. Putting that out to your staff. And that's the beauty, right? By, by making traction on one, you often then find yourself flowing into another one and seeing another opportunity. Um, so again, that clear leadership and expectations right now, for example, um, this is coming up a lot with the individuals that I'm speaking to. They're saying, hey, Steph, you know, 
I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know where the economy is going. My, my, um, you know, my employees are worried about job security. They're worried about the future. And and I don't know what to tell them. You know, I don't have all the answers. Um, And that to me is such a beautiful moment of vulnerability for a leader to say, okay, how do you, when we know one of those factors are clear leadership and expectations, how do you start to do that with your teams when you, you also are operating somewhat in the dark? And so this is where it gets interesting to start to say, okay, I may not know three months from now, uh, but what do I know about this week? What do I know about the week right. after? What can I share with my team? And how can I have an honest discussion? Maybe it is saying exactly that. You know, none of us have a crystal ball businesses everywhere are working to figure this out. Here's what we're doing here at company XYZ. Here's where our focus is. Here's what we're doing to support all of you. And here's how we want to support you. And how can we, we want your input as well. Let us know how we can support you during these times and being, Mm. being open to enter into that dialogue. Right. And so what other, what other of these 13 factors, um, you know, you identified obviously protection of physical safety for those, um, organizations that have frontline, uh, workers or essential, uh, essential workers. What other, um, factors are really showing up right now in this, um, in this virtual, well, I shouldn't say virtual, that's actually another question. Um, (laughs) what's showing up in this, in this COVID crisis? A few other yeah, so, so two that I would highlight would be psychological support and workload management. So um, to even, and I think we're we're all starting to get to the point uh, where we're realizing, well, this actually isn't business as usual. And if we thought it was business as usual at first, we're pretty quickly realizing that um, it's almost it's impossible not. to be business as usual right now. So what does that mean from a workload management perspective? Where I go to right away is, Um, Yes, there are going to be activities that we need to keep the business afloat. So that's a business reality and that's something. But what's essential? So what is essential to keeping the business afloat? And where can we put some some deliberate slack into the system? What is some of that busy work or that work that that is less essential right now that can come off people's plates to give them that space to adjust to whatever else is going on, whether it's taking care of of their families, taking care of themselves, um, having time to take some breaks. Uh, Where can we put some of that slack in the system to support them, which links really nicely to psychological support. Um, And with this one, this one can be quite intimidating to people, I find. Um, Often it can be scary to be a manager that says, wow, uh, I'm not a therapist. Um, I'm not skilled in this area. What the heck do I do around psychological support? And so with this one, sometimes it's just asking the question of, you know, if you notice if you notice something with an employee on your team or a colleague on your team, just asking, you know, what do you need right now? Or what support, mm-hmm. what support do you need from me right now? Right. And letting, creating that space to allow them to speak into it and listening for what's underneath some of their responses. So I guess what, what I would encourage people to, to do then is to not get, um, sidetracked by that word psychological support because you're not there to provide professional counseling but you know i like to say that you're you're really just being human you're you're recognizing the the changing circumstances and you know workload management oh gosh when i think about the again the clients and the you know the friends and family i've talked to this is uh people are adapting to this at a very different rate um you know, I was speaking with someone yesterday and they start at 8 a.m. and they actually have more meetings than they've ever had. And they said they are more busier than they've ever been. And they literally don't even have time to go to the bathroom or eat 
<laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, like that's not business as usual. And and there's something missing here. Like somebody's not asking questions to hear how you are or to like to sort of like reset the reset the expectations. Yeah. And to get real in a team, in that situation, to think like in a team meeting to say, wow, you know, I, and I don't know the circumstances that what the, what is leading to this increase in activity, if it, if they happen to be an essential service or they happen to be an organization that is directly feeding to this, suddenly perhaps demand for what it is they're offering has skyrocketed. And so then it's getting mm-hmm. the team together to say, you know, what are we noticing that's different about this and how might we need to approach our work differently as opposed to trying to simply take whatever the approach was pre-COVID and in a physical workspace virtually, or it could be um, that there's a lot of non-essential work going on. There's a lot of busy work that's happening um, that maybe that's the conversation that needs to be happening in that situation. Yeah. So you know, here's the story that I'm making up, which I think is a pretty darn good story, um, is that uh, you know, this industry in particular is high performing, a lot of, you know, type A's get things done, identity, um, and people like identity is based around how much work you get done, um, how much output you can put out at the expense of, of the soft stuff, right? So, so here's my story is that um, the shift from the office to home has hasn't really fully been recognized and the space hasn't been given to have um, some real conversation around, okay, what needs to look different here? How can we continue to do our job and support the business and do what we need to do, but recognize that it's different now? I, I, I really, and I think, you know, that falls into... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, that would fall into psychological and social support, would it not? Like having that type of conversation? Absolutely. And, uh, and sorry, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Well, I, it's like, I just don't think it's happening. I think it's it's just not, it hasn't been a natural place for people to go. It's like, oh, that's soft stuff. Who cares? Like that, that's not going to impact how we get our work done. But yeah, I think we're all realizing it does impact how we get our work done, right? If you've got toddlers or you've got to care for somebody in your, in your home, like that absolutely does impact how you get your work done. And we need to acknowledge that. Well, and what's interesting too is in that scenario too, what could be at play is the fact that people's mental health, which is simply your state of mind on any given day, right? Um, People's mental health right now, they might be stressed. They might be anxious, right? There's these levels of uh, completely normal states of mental health that are coming up right now from stress and anxiety. And sometimes once Mm -hmm. we go to a place of stress and anxiety, our default, and especially for for folks who might identify as type A, part of what can help relieve those feelings of stress and anxiety can sometimes be just power through with work, just get through the to-do list and kind of shutting off and going into productivity mode, right? And so that's exactly when you are so resistant to the soft of, no, I'm getting stuff done. You know, I'm being productive. I'm getting this done and I just need to do more, do more, do more. That's probably exactly a warning sign and a trigger point to say, Perhaps my body is under stress right now. Perhaps I'm perhaps I've got some some anxiety going on here that really would benefit from a walk around the block, from some fresh air, from from building some breaks into my day. And and mm-hmm. exactly what you had said, really speaking into what do I need to ask for right now um, to help me mm-hmm. support myself in navigating through this. Yeah. I mean, the going for a walk is such a, a, I know yesterday, well, we were in a meeting and we had a 10 minute break and I grabbed my dog and we went for a quick walk around the block and man, it was just so, it was exactly what I needed. Um, 
anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Well, I joke all the time. I mean, I, I preach this stuff. I love it. And so it is, it's always right. Trying to remind myself to do those things. I I joke that Mm. it's like the, when the doctors used to say, when you, when you had a cold, um, you know, get plenty of rest and drink plenty of fluids. I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Guess what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rest and I wouldn't drink fluids. I'd go back to work and and go about my day. And it's the same thing. I find a lot of people will brush off and I, and I do it too. Sometimes I'll be, you know, in a flurry of a busy day and I have reminders set for myself to say, you have to go out and get some fresh air. You have to go for a walk right. around the block. It's that rest and that, and that fluid for your mental health, right? It's that walk around the block, the movement and the fresh air so simple. And yet how many of us are actually making the space for that in our days all the time and right. doing it consistently. Now, I think that's a good segue actually into how these these factors, these 13 factors that, again, are based on science and research and, and have all this um, data behind them. They were written at a time when work was in a workplace um, predominantly. Obviously, there, were, there have been people working virtually for years, so let's not discount them. But um, how do they still apply? Or maybe how how do they apply even more to help support us in this new um, work reality? This this ice, like having to work, you know, from our houses. I think to and to be honest, again, this is why I love this framework and why I love these factors. When I look at them, and I and I did this once once COVID hit, I I went back through them to say, okay, where where might there need to be adjustments to this? What does this still stand? And of course, each and every one of these are still very relevant. The thing that changes is how you deliver on this. So for example, um, civility and respect, what does that look like in a virtual world versus in person? You know, it used to be that in person, if you were gonna show respect or some civility in the workplace, you'd go by and say, good morning. You'd exchange photos from the weekend or something would bring that kind of, that civility and that, that nice camaraderie into the workplace. Well, what does that look like now in a virtual world? So civility and respect absolutely still stands. Um, but what does it look like when you're sending more emails or you're sending more messages or, you know, what signal does it send when you leave your video on or off in a meeting, right? It just looks very different, but the factors right. still really hold. Or the, or that, that person that we were talking about at the beginning of the, of the, the podcast who demanded everybody come on and work in front of him. Absolutely. Right. But that's, there's, there's some civility, there's some, I think he could use your help stuff. Maybe we could find out who he is and bring you to him. Um, so, so it sounds like this is just as prevalent uh, or just as, uh, yeah, just as prevalent, just as important. Um, and, and what I'm also picking up from you is that uh, creating the space to talk about it with your team is actually one of the easiest and sounds like most productive ways to start doing work in this area. Absolutely. And sometimes just naming it and many of us might've experienced this in our own personal lives as well. Sometimes you just need to be able to put words around it and, and it starts to dissipate. So this idea that having these conversations is, you know, a waste of time or, um, unproductive. It's like, this actually might be exactly what people need to put them back in the mindset to be able to access their creativity, their innovation, um, and be able to refocus on what's essential. So this could be exactly what it takes to shift mindset and put people back where they need to be by just knowing that to be seen and heard and respected. So where would be, I I know we've, we've rattled off or you've rattled off um, (laughs) at my request, uh, a few, a few resources. So if somebody's sitting there going, okay, I'm in, like, I need to try and do something. What is, um, what would you, what would be like the first three things or four things that you would suggest they do? 
maybe we can wrap up and, and leave people in a place of feeling empowered to go do something. Absolutely. So I would familiarize yourselves with the factors. Trust your gut right now on what you've heard and what you think. When you scan through those 13 factors, what feels important to your team right now, to your organization right now, that would be the first place. So familiarizing yourself with the factors, just so you have an understanding of where you might want to be making some traction. Okay. If you have specific challenges, so if they're, if you're noticing, um, and again, once we go down the mental, mental illness route or significant issues with mental health or any specific um, challenges, there are great resources on the CMHA website, uh, the Mental Health Commission of Canada, and also Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, the Institute through Great West Life. You can access all kinds of resources. Um, never feel um, alone in managing through this. There are a number of resources that you can access and, and humans that you can speak to as well. Um, so I would encourage um, anyone to look at those resources that are available and familiarize themselves with the factors. Okay. I know I know. for me, uh, to prepare for our conversation, I went on to mentalhealthcommission.ca and they have a resource hub um, about uh, mental health and wellness during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it lists out the 13 factors right there. So it sounds like stuff, you know, you're saying just read those over. And um, I know there's also some videos on there too that that help provide a, just a, a general description, but it sounds like all those different resources you've shared, resources you've shared can really help people start this journey and start this conversation with themselves and their teams. Absolutely. And like I mentioned before, I am I'm so passionate about this. If there are any questions or if anyone is looking for further resources, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to share more information or more resources at any time. Now, I know you're also on Instagram too. I am. So they could could reach out to you there, right? (laughs) You absolutely can over at Agency to Change as well. All right. Um, So is there like a, a, maybe like a, a, just to wrap things up, a great example of, how this work impacted an organization that you could share with us? How, how digging into this really helped shift and take, take an organization in a different direction? Yeah, I've seen it when you bring in, um, when employees are part of, so one of the factors, uh, interestingly enough, one of the factors is involvement and influence. And so one organization that I have worked with had a big issue around workload management and, leadership expectations, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of fear in the system. Um, And so we decided the leadership team made a commitment to the national standard, wanting to embed the standard in the organization. Um, And so once that leadership commitment was met, right, building out the framework, workshopping these factors to really bring employees in. And so the premise there was to say, hey, one of the factors is involvement and influence. Let's start by bringing all the employees in and and having them influence (laughs) the strategies Mm. that we're going to start putting in place. So right out of the gate, we're making traction on that first, on that one factor so that employees feel seen and heard. And so they came in and and really going deep on that to find out what is really going on in the system. Um, And from there, identifying the top two priorities to say, okay, these are the two areas where we want to make some traction and getting the employees to design for themselves what they would like to see um, in that system. What were the top two? What were the top two things? So clear leadership and expectations. It was around resourcing and how projects were resourced was one of the top Mm -hmm. ones and confusion. So feeling like there was a lot of um, 
unfairness around how work was allocated. So it fed into workload management. So those mm-hmm. were the two pieces. So we really took a look at their systems around project management, resource allocation, and how communication was happening between teams. And again, crowdsourced that information from employees. What did they think would, would work well? What information did they need from the leaders? And so we were trying to address and break down silos of communication, um, work on some cross-team collaboration. So you can see there, there's nothing in the standard that prescribes you must look at a project management system or how, um, how you're communicating between project teams, but that naturally came up in the workshops. And so by having that created by employees and again deliberately choosing to focus on a factor that had the most resonance with those employees and having them create the system of what that might look like we had full investment um, and the mm. leadership team could then provide that detail that the employees were craving and we saw the shift almost right away and so then putting a very simple survey together to measure the same five questions before and after just so that we could keep a pulse and doing those pulse check surveys throughout the time yep. we already saw traction. And then of course, part of the national standard is then reviewing yourself every year. So now that we've made traction on those, what's next? Where do they now, where do they now see themselves making traction um, for the next, for the next three to six months? And so again, employees feeding into that and they now know that change is possible. So they're very invested in sharing their opinions and bringing the ideas forward. Wow. That's a great, a great success story. Here's um. Here's hoping that uh, there's more and more of those success stories happening um, as we, Agreed. yeah, as we move through uh, these these interesting times. I, you know, you run out of adjectives to try and describe this reality <laughs> that we live in now, and I'm I'm, I'm sort of like not. I don't like to use the word unprecedented because I think it's been overused, but it is unprecedented nonetheless. Um, So thank you, Steph, for making the time and coming on and having this conversation um, around, around these 13 factors and around psychological health and safety. It's so clear that you are passionate and um, really contributing to this space. So thank you. Thank you. This has been fantastic. Yeah. And so to, uh, to the listeners out there, um, we've shared a bunch of resources. I'll make sure that we, um, uh, share them in, in the LinkedIn posts or any of the the social media posts that we do have. But, uh, pretty much if you Google 13 factors of psychological health and safety, you will likely have, um, a ton of tools at your fingertips and we'll take this one last chance to be proud Canadians and, uh, mm-hmm. just a big shout out to the mental health commission and uh, to all the wonderful Canadians who pulled this fabulous work together. So that concludes this uh, special edition of PWE and Me. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. hearing more about PWE? Well, I'd welcome you to buy my book, Rules of Engagement, Building a Workplace Culture to Thrive in an Uncertain World. I share stories, personal and professional, about different elements of PWE, and it's available on Amazon or on Indigo. Thanks to all of you out there. This is why we do this. This is why we have this conversation. We look forward to being with you again on our next PWE and Me podcast. Now, the best way you can hear us is to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. And if you don't like either one of those two, you can always go to my website at carolynswara.com.